This is a Hello Sweetie Podcast Network production. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Petticoat Lane, where we talk about vaginas. We're your hosts. I'm Josie. And I'm Crystal. We'll be answering some common questions and some uncommon questions. We'll have guests. Some will be experts. And some not. Come, take a stroll with us down Petticoat Lane. Welcome to Petticoat Lane, a podcast about vaginas. Hi, I'm Crystal, and I watch my porn on my phone under my covers on mute like a fucking lady. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Josie, and I watch porn on my phone in my bedroom, but through GIFs, not through videos. Uh, Hi, and I'm Brooke, and I watch porn on my phone with my AirPods in so I don't get caught by the children. Yes, I'm always like, oh, make sure that Bluetooth is off because that would be... With the door locked. (laughs) Alexa, turn off. My fear, like my Bluetooth connected to something out there and they're like, mom, what is that? Oh, sorry. (laughs) So It's just someone on TV. They're they're in pain. They're wrestling. (laughs) Are you okay? I think I've only uh, recently become more okay with uh, watching or listening listening to porn, like because it was always on mute and mm-hmm. like you know making sure that people in the house couldn't also hear it type <laughs> thing. And now I'm like I'm an adult and I am the only one home right now. I, I could listen, listen to, to this with sound, and then I do it, and then I'm like, no, you know what? I think I'm kind of used to the not sound part of it. <laughs> You start hearing it and you're like, no, no, no stop not. saying that. No, <laughs> that is not no. how I thought you were going to sound. Yeah. You're like, why? Don't say that. Turn that oh, no, mute. Yeah. I was just <laughs> like, I didn't think that you would be that high pitched by looking at you. <laughs> oh, goodness. So I think the best way to start off this episode, as all we can tell, we're talking about porn today. Um, do you think porn is good or bad? Is that for me? Uh, anyone, for whoever. Uh, jump in. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it is good and bad. It's a trick question, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is both. Uh-huh. It depends on how you use it. It's, again, kind of a trick question. Like mm-hmm. the whole, are you sexually empowered? Depends on the day. Depends on the porn. That's <laughs> oh. so. part of uh, the reason that I have... Um, mostly just been looking at porn like porn gifs or gifs however you guys want to say it um that's a whole other podcast yeah it really is <laughs> i say gifs i don't i just always have and i don't like try to judge people on the other way my husband says yifs because um why not yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like well i mean there's no set rule here <laughs> but no it's the uh i've been watching it through uh like the gifts instead of like actual videos because then I am in control of everything that I see of like it's like there's types of gifts where versus I go into a video it's a seven minute video it could turn to something that super turns me off right at the end but a gif is like two seconds at most yeah. I know what I'm getting the whole time through <laughs> right <laughs> that's really smart <laughs> I don't remember when I started looking at those instead of videos, but it, it works. I didn't for even me. know that was an option. Like, I'm really going to explore that. Yeah, that is good. Because going a little bit more into the how do you watch porn question, um, it's not a movie I sit down and watch. Like, we have a friend that is very into the parody oh, porn. porn parodies, which, yeah. like, yeah. And I'm like, that means you watch, like, the whole thing? Like, is it an hour that you spent? Or even 20 minutes seems, 30 minutes seems like a, a long time. The big Yeah. I'm like, because what's, but I, I don't know guess though, like, what the plot is. Like, I want to know the people who actually, because I, yeah. our friend, they, I talked to them about it and they skip th- 
forward through the actual sex scenes. They watch it for the plot oh, points because oh, it's a parody. So reading the articles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, but that's really interesting because like when it comes to like nakedness, right? Mm-hmm. You see a pair of boobs and you're like, woo, boobies. But if yeah. you see lots of boobs, like it kind of takes the power away yeah. from like, and so it becomes more about the intimate experience with a person instead of just boobs and so maybe that's the same thing with porn parody like if you watch the whole thing maybe it's like normalizing something to like make it like i don't know like maybe that has a really settling effect on the mind to actually sit and watch the whole thing and have it be about the experience of watching like I think parody like, like interaction yeah. instead like of just the cheesy like oh let's lines. just get off yeah. yeah the art of coming up with the lines that you have to come up with in a porn parody too I just want to that's very clever the person who watches a full porn movie I would too because one the few times that I've actually found them on the internet that in a way that I shouldn't that I don't pay for it please pay for your porn it's usually more ethical that way um <laughs> But like the, I, I tried to watch it and I'm just like, this is bad. This is not turning me on. I want to know the person who watches the entire thing and how they watch it. Like, do you get a bucket of popcorn during or each of the sex scenes? A bucket scenes? of tissues. Are they or? not masturbating the at all? Thing? Yeah. Or do you not masturbate? Do you wait till the complete end of it to masturbate or what? Because <laughs> I oh. read romance novels that like, was my first porn. Yeah, yeah like, too. Yeah. Like, actually, like, if we're talking about how I watch That's, porn, yeah. it's probably through, like, Audible. <laughs> it's yeah. probably, yeah. like, because yeah. I also have a cleaning company, and so I listen to books all the time, and so that's probably, like, but I'm not, obviously masturbating while I'm listening to these romance novels but it's like really intriguing to my mind to listen to it and hear the human experience even though it's like not the human experience in a romance novel but just like listening and like and maybe it's the same thing with the porn parody it's just like a romance novel that you just sit and watch and you're like that's really interesting oh man this is like already taken a turn of mm-hmm. where we thought we were going to go with this. I love porn this. parodies. Like, yeah. see if that's, like, normalizing the experience and not about, like, just gratuitous getting off, but just, like, yeah. oh, here are people so engaging there's a and Guardians enjoying. of the Galaxy parody. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's there's, awesome. Yeah, that's the one that maybe you should start with, because I heard the <laughs> Rocket Raccoon's pretty... <laughs> Oh, God, is Groot in it, too? I don't, I think All so. the characters have to I be I haven't actually way. seen it. Groot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So, Tree huggers oh, in a whole great. new light. Yeah. I, I'm really interested in this now. Yeah. It's got to be See? very clever. It's like, it's, it's, in my mind, I'm seeing it very much like Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. kind of silly. Yeah. yeah. How serious is it? Yeah. wonder. Maybe I'll watch an actual. You porn. you two ladies have just like opened a whole new venue <laughs> yeah, of sexuality like, wow. for me that I. Okay. That's really interesting. I love it. Um, no, it was because what? Uh, Is it good or bad? Depends on the parody. It really. <laughs> Sorry, my questions here because where our original thought here was that we were going to talk about ethics and porn, and that conversation. Now I'm just like looking at these questions, and I'm just like, these aren't. This isn't what I want to talk about now, but I do. <laughs> like, oh. We got off track so quickly. <laughs> we apologize. We apologize. Um, what are some good things about porn? What do you like about porn? I'm like, well, I, I like boobs. Yeah, so, I like yes. boobs. I like the feeling of being turned on. I like the uh, excitement of watching it. And I know that that also helps me get going. I know uh, for me, it's more of a release. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I've got a time crunch and it sometimes yeah. helps me get there quicker. That's what helps you know, me with uh, porn yeah. gifts instead yep. of videos. Mm-hmm. I just want to, it's a release that I know my body is wanting and I know that I could use because it was a rough day or whatever. And I know um, my selected clips will help me get there quicker. Okay. I don't have two hours to watch. I don't know if a porn parody is that long. Could you imagine? I, I don't no know. <laughs> I should Google up the length of our porn parody because totally. I'm like, no, I got a couple minutes to get off. And I know if I look at this picture, it'll help me. So I've always found that the type of porn that I am into is reflective of the relationship that I am into. Oh, yeah. So like the different types of people that I've dated is 
is what I look at. Is it an older man? Is it a woman? Is it someone of color? Like, who am I currently in a relationship with? And that's the kind of porn that I have sought to look at. And I don't know, I don't, porn isn't a very big part of my life, Mm -hmm. but probably because I have a very active sex life with my partner. Like, if we go more than a day, I'm like, what is happening? Are you mad at me? (laughs) Did I do something wrong? But, um, so it's not, it's not a very big part of my life, but when it is, I, it tends to be things that I am like either emotionally exploring within Mm -hmm. myself, um, like spanking to see if that's something that I'm like actually into or not. Or like if my partner is gone, something that would like reflect that current relationship and like make me think about them and get into them. And, and then I usually turn it off and just do my thing, Mm -hmm. but it gets me going. It's like, okay, this is the like visual kick that I needed. I'm a very visual person. So if I can't pull something up or a lot of times if I'm pulling up like 500 experiences all at once, I'm like, I'm going to narrow this down to the one I want to be thinking about right now. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to like follow that path a little bit. This has kind of made me start thinking about, like, we need to do another episode specifically on romance novels, because that is... I think for, like, our Valentine's episodes, we oh, do, like, romance, that. romance novels. I'm going to give you the of, names of some romance yes. novels that would be great. Because it's a, totally a different type of porn, in all honesty, but because t- today we're kind of talking about, like, visual porn, and it has its own internet things, porn. But we want to talk yeah. about the whole, how easily it is to... Get, get your it. hands on now. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. so for like, for me, the, for what I think are the good things about porn is that it can give you some ideas of what you might want to try. Uh, that was, has been a nice like sexual exploration, like with my partner and I, uh, throughout like, I say growing up, but like in our early twenties <laughs> and like learning, yes, that looks good on camera. <laughs> Not easy, nor does it really feel good (laughs) type thing. But so I've always found that, but, you know, to an extent of like things that you might want to try. The things that I like uh, specifically about like porn gifts is they're short and sweet and like you know what you're going for. I like your like it reflects the type of relationship that you're in because I kind of do specifically look for porn that is about pleasuring the woman. And I'm just like, oh, that is kind of the relationship. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, those are some of the good things that I find in porn. Yeah. Uh, Now towards the more negative side of it. What are the bad things that you see in porn? Well, if we've kind of mentioned it in our group chat, too, is the ethical ethics of it all. Mm -hmm. Um. The categories, the production side of it, there are some ethical questions that come into play. It's not always between a loving partnership. It's not always about love. So that can be bad, especially when people um, don't talk about it. I think the shamefulness of it is really bad because that um, keeps it in the dark. And when you keep it in the dark, that allows you to go dark with it. And Mm -hmm. then that's when it really becomes a problem. Yeah, and that's when it becomes addictive and when Mm -hmm. it becomes... um, culturally destructive right you start getting into very shady areas of consent and are these people a part of it intentionally and where is it coming from is it coming from countries where it's regulated are these things that these women have chosen to be a part of or men have that chosen to be a part of and and there's really no way of knowing especially when the intent of the porn is rape or control or um, domination or incest like are they acting the part really well or is this really a very traumatizing experience for the person or is it both and and that becomes a very very shady area most porn that is looked up the two most research searched porn areas is incest and um, domination and so how do you know how do you know what you're getting and is that like if if someone goes onto Pornhub and it's bringing up the most commonly searched things if a kid happened upon that or an yeah. adolescent they're immediately going to see incest and domination or rape porn like without searching anything else that's what's going to pop up and so that's very damaging 
to mm-hmm. our children. That's very, it's setting unrealistic expectations of what their sexual experiences are going to be. Like, oh, I see that men are supposed to dominate and rape women. So when I get, like, that's all I've ever seen because I'm and not going to take yeah. the time to research good porn when I'm a teenager who's like, they don't even know the difference between good porn. Well, and no, they porn. don't. Yeah. And they usually just take whatever pops up so they don't get caught and they can just see what's there. Yeah. And if mm-hmm. they're just taking those first things that are popping up and they're building an idea in their head that this is what sex is, when they go to implement it with a partner, they're going to use that same force and experience on their partner. And that's not healthy. Well, and it's all and generally, it, yeah. Generally speaking, porn is um, male pleasure focused. Mm hmm. Male positive, female yes. dom- yeah, or dominating, yeah. dominating, yeah, not necessarily negative, but dominant over mm-hmm. female. Mm-hmm. I think that especially when it comes to teenagers that and their, um, if like, if we're talking the heteronormative boys look up porn and uh, then implement it in their sex life with their girlfriend, and you know, very heteronormative right there that we're talking about. It is negative for both of them in different ways. Ways One, he's looking at this porn and thinking that this is normal. This is the way you're supposed to act. It's also a little bit reflective about how like TV shows and movies reflect like relationships, men dominating over women being in control. And then he's introducing that to his possibly the first time girlfriend. Right. And that's creating a very negative start for her as well as him. And so it's... It sets her expectations of what her sexual experiences are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. What is she supposed to do for the man? What is she supposed to give them and give of herself to make their experience not be about her? Mm -hmm. And if, um, you know, she doesn't like being dominated, then that also introduces, introduces the idea that or reinforces even that women aren't going to enjoy sex because that was one of the first things that I was taught through talking to other teenagers is that women don't really enjoy sex. It's mostly for men. And that's not true. Three of us here can tell you (laughs) not true. (laughs) Not true at all. (laughs) That's really interesting because I was just having a conversation with a friend um, in the polyamorous community about how in parties for polyamorous people the women are always very outgoing Mm -hmm. and the men are not always usually the women are very outgoing and the men are like more watching like the partners are more watching but the women are initiating the women are going after it the women are excited and like turned on and very like positive about their sexuality and then you get outside of that community and it's like men who are married to women who don't want sex ever and everyone's conversation is just that that women don't enjoy sex and men never get it and they're always holding out and using it as a tool and it's like how are these two communities so different is it only women who are into sex that want to sleep with everyone that are polyamorous or is it that just opening up the communication to be able to talk about sex allows women the freedom to say yeah I actually really do like it and I want it like this yeah. Mm-hmm. And is, and yeah. I think that pornography can help educate people in both good and bad ways that women aren't supposed to enjoy it so just lay there and take it or like for me when I started exploring porn as a kid or as a teenager college um it was because I was bisexual and I didn't have anything to teach me. I didn't have any information out there so I would look at men with two women or women on women and I was like trying to like explore like what does this look like for me and is that what sex really is like and what things feel comfortable to me and which things don't feel comfortable to me as I was watching it and really learn like start developing a sense of who I am and that way I think porn can be really positive if you can take the time and space to find the positive porn, mm-hmm. right? I had to, there's a lot of bullshit I had to like <laughs> filter out and be like, ooh, yeah, no, I'm not, that's, we're not going there. <laughs> right. I've actually considered uh, creating an account through Pornhub t- in order to save the ones that I actually like and yeah. find helpful and not negative or triggering. Because as you were talking about with, uh, without even searching, if you're just like, I'm going to go to this website and uh, look at their top rated ones or their most viewed ones, just like quick, we're in a time yep. crunch here. Yep. I want to get off quickly. I want to watch this video to get me in the mood and go from that. The number ones, 
that pop up without searching is incest or violent. Mm -hmm. And those are actually two quite triggering things for me is I can be into this video and then suddenly that person is someone who they're supposed to be related to. Right. And that's not great for me. I am instantly turned off by that and then I am uncomfortable and do not want to go forward with this. I like more dominating sex, but I don't like violent sex. Right. And it's very difficult to find a video that is just like, yes, hold her hair back and like kind of pull at it a little bit, slap her ass, but don't punch her. Don't slap her. Don't you're not punishing her. Yeah. It's not you are do you're getting this because you're bad type thing. I don't right. like that type don't of dirty either. talk either. And so it's very difficult to find those things and without being triggered with it. So that's the only reason I have considered <laughs> making an account or paying like finding these ethical websites where you can pay for it and everybody is actually enjoying the sex that's being recorded. Yeah. That's also good. Like, those are the types of videos I like um, as the ones where they're, like, having sex and they're, like, being straightforward. These people are having sex. This person is actually orgasming. They're not doing these recorded lines or scenarios or whatever like that. That is, those are the types that I find good and helpful. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's really important. Um, there is a book that came out in 2011. I'm trying to find the name of it real quick. Um, it's called House of Holes. Sorry, I was trying to find the name of the author. And it was written by Nicholas Baker. Have, have either of you heard of this book? No. It's amazing. It is this, it's a sex amusement park. And oh. um, it's... That sounds have so to fun. <laughs> get into it by accident, basically. Like, no one knows how to get to House of Holes. You just sort of end up there. Like, it starts off with this woman who found an arm that she has to, like, take care of, and she uses it for, like, masturbation, and, like, but she knows that she has to take it back to House of Holes to give it back to the man who lost his arm, but she, like, takes such good care of this arm, and she's... So these very, very strange experiences, like this one woman, like, is inside of a man's penis, and she is coming out as he is, like, ejaculating, and she has to, like, squeeze her way up through the head of the the tip of the... And it's... it's This, this is some weird shit. It's so weird. Like, it is the weirdest book I've ever read but it's awesome yeah. because it's all so explorative and positive and they have these things called porn suckers that go around and take all the negative porn all the violent porn all the incest porn and they suck it out of the world because it doesn't belong in sexuality mm -hmm. and it leaves only the good stuff that allows positive explorative experiences for people to just like find new ways of getting off and connecting with other human beings and like the experiences in the book is like if this place existed and you can't use money there you have to like earn credits by doing things for other people and then once you have the credits in your bank then you can go and have your own experiences and I'm like this is amazing <laughs> I want to live here all the time like, it's fantastic I and definitely want to read this yeah one. <laughs> it's written and I I read it probably over 10 years like well not 10 years probably f six years is how long I'd been reading it mm -hmm. because I would just like it's broken up into little sections like here's Sarah's experience or tone like, like short so, stories yeah. so I would read the one and then I'd put it down for a while and like months later I'd be like oh yeah I want to read another experience and so I'd get into <laughs> it but it's you can read it and they do have it on audible as well so I'm actually considering buying the audible version because I would love to hear who they got for the narrator yeah. of this like <laughs> that's also that's I was a, wondering how it would be mm -hmm. through audible because that's really how I listen to books or yeah. like read books lately is like, so it'd be to like it. a totally different experience I think listening yeah. to and much more erotic like listening to someone else's voice explain these experiences to me I'm like whoo <laughs> that's that seems like really fun yeah but but the idea of a porn sucker that could go through and pull out all the negative porn or porn that was made against other people's without consent and that's violent and like I wish we had that in this world because it needs to go away it doesn't need to be a point it's only perpetuating rape culture and negative sex and shameful experiences and destroying how people see their own sexuality mm -hmm. how do we ethically fix that yeah how do we act how do you get rid of it? How do we create the porn suckers and get rid of it? Or, or do you think it's something that we just have to live with and learn how to avoid? And I don't know. I think education's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Like, but it's such a rampant problem. Like, 
before it goes away, we have to take shame out of sex. And so as a sex empowerment coach, it's a big part of what I want to do for people, but there need to be like 5 million of us doing this and re-educating everyone from the very beginning to get it out of the culture. Um, the article that I linked um, for that website is a, is a nonprofit who is just anti-porn. And I don't think that's the answer either mm-hmm. because that will work for some people like Alcoholics Anonymous works for people who have the addiction. Um, but also for mass population, it's not just going to go away. Well, it's and not, people are yeah. going to kick back on it because most people don't have an addiction. They just only get bad porn. And so it's creating things that could create addiction, but they're not going to just be like, okay, I guess I won't ever masturbate. I won't ever do anything sexual again. So they're not going to adhere to a nonprofit that's trying to teach that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But instead it needs to be about re-education. And I know some people with the group as well that are working on re-education about what pornography is costing people, what the problem is, why are we perpetuating negative association with like how do we fix this and what conversations do we have with our kids to empower them to say no violence and incest is not natural that is not what you need to be into and let's re-educate people to make women safer and to make the experiences safer for everyone all around Mm -hmm. and so in your opinion do you think the um because we talk about shame and um, a lot of us experience shame, but then that's also where our sexual empowerment, we lose it. This is where we start making uh, poor decisions that go against our natural or our, our good feeling, our love. It's not in the good light. But you think uh, perhaps like your first experience, I know that was one of our questions, like your first exposure or experience with porn was shameful. So that's kind of why you think that's what porn is like mm-hmm. there's some people that don't believe there is good porn because their first experience was bad and shameful and that's how they get off are there people that only get off on shame there could be i think there are um we spoke briefly before recording about the different chemical releases in our brain and how it affects the way that we associate with um, sexuality. Mm-hmm. And when you have an addictive oxytocin type chemical release, it's not necessarily because of the porn that you're looking at, but because of the way that you're associating with that pornography. So if you feel shame and dirty, you, you see something and you're like, oh, this is wrong but then you still get off to it because it's exciting and it's doing what it's supposed to. Not only is that going to create shame, which creates a chemical release that becomes addictive and you become dependent upon, but you're also reinforcing reinforcing in your mind that that's what the experience should be. Or feels like you haven't experienced. The other. Mm -hmm. And so... You can take different types of pornography that don't have that same negative release and have a totally different experience with it and not be releasing that same oxytocin chemical, but a positive endorphin release that creates connective associations. And that breaks down the need for dependency on it you you don't get addicted to that it's nice and it's lovely and we like to have it but it's not addictive and shame-based you're not needing to reinforce that and and the oxytocin release just like with drugs you have to keep upping the ante Mm -hmm. you have to you have to go a little bit deeper a little bit darker a little bit more which is why i think that porn like mainstream available porn has gotten to this like super extreme point that it's at with incest with violence and Mm -hmm. stuff is they're constantly upping the ante and it's probably because their porn and i probably possibly because their porn viewing habits are connected with shame right I, i had a therapist tell me once um i was going to marriage counseling with one of my ex-husbands who had 
of extreme porn dependency. And she was like, he's going to end up molesting your children. And I was like, what? (laughs) That's an extreme jump. Yeah. (laughs) Like from looking at porn to molesting our children. She's like, well, he's going to need to keep up in the ante and he's going to have to. And soon enough, porn isn't going to do it. And so then he's going to go to hurting other people. And I was like, hmm. That's a possibility. That is not a, possibility a possibility for some people, That's not like, yeah. that it has to happen. Like, yeah. like marijuana is a gateway drug. Right. So I think that there is a <laughs> yeah, lot of bad <laughs> information out there mm-hmm. that is scare tactic. Mm-hmm. And I think that people get this information, even counselors and therapists, believing that it's real. And then they push it out to the masses and it becomes like mainstream information, which also isn't real. But there is a point at which we have to look at how are you upping the ante? Mm -hmm. Like, what is it and how far are you going to go with it to keep trying to get that high, to keep trying to get that release and, and kind of break the cycle? Like, okay, let's like chill out a little bit. Let's do a 30 day detox. (laughs) Let's like reset your expectations and what you need and start taking that shame out of your sexual interactions and start over. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's well, and like with an addiction too, it is the whole, um, realizing you have a problem. It is starting to affect your day to day. And admitting that you have the problem and then detox from it. You have to, like with any addiction, Mm -hmm. except for food addiction, which is a whole nother Mm -hmm. subject. But it's, you you have to remove yourself from it. And saying that we should do away with all porn is saying that we should do away with all alcohol. We should do away with any type of drug. And and there are some life-saving drugs out there. yeah, Yeah, it's not the answer or solution the re-education is like that's we have to look at it differently we first of all have to have the conversation about it what i really liked that you said earlier um was uh that like ex-husband had a porn dependency which i think there are people who confuse that with porn addiction because yes there is such thing and it's one of my questions (laughs) is porn addiction a real thing my opinion yes porn addiction is a real thing. But I think a main thing that a lot of people confuse it with is porn dependency. Like you're not addicted to porn. If the um, only way you feel like you can get off is by watching porn, but you only watch porn at home at a certain time and you are in control of when you watch it. That is a, in my opinion, porn dependency, not porn addiction, because addictions, you struggle with saying no or cannot say no. And also cannot control when. So, and actually to be fair, he did have an addiction, lost several jobs for inappropriate behavior at work, um, allowed the substance to override what was in his best interest and, and that's, that's when it an, addiction. an addiction there we go. Yeah. Um, but it usually starts out as a dependency mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. when you are made to feel shame it can go one of two ways you either shut down and and completely reject everything mm-hmm. or become so attached to it that it starts to just like become its own secret little thing inside of you that you have to protect and nourish and and then it starts to grow and grow and grow and anything that threatens that is a threat to you Mm -hmm. and so our intimacy became a threat to that because he didn't want to feel guilty about it he didn't want to feel like it was wrong or bad or something to be addressed he wanted to protect it because it became an integral part of his self-identity and um and that's where the shame is so strong mm-hmm. that that's where the addiction starts. I don't think that any of our addictive substances are the problem. I think it's the shame, the trauma, the the experiences that lead us to needing to protect or escape or it's all built around fear and protecting that fear and pornography can do that in a very mm-hmm. real way. And and people use pornography as a form of self-punishment. When we are raised in traumatic circumstances or in shame or pain, um, that's what becomes normal to us. And we have to continue to create that pain and shame to be able to feel 
like life is what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. If it feels too good, it's scary because then how much more is it going to hurt later? Right. Or, it, like, so or you, when's the ter the other foot going to fall here? Yeah. Like, yeah. And so you, you continue to self-sabotage or recreate or um, protect your pain and your fear in a very real way. And pornography is very easy to do that with. Mm -hmm. And I, I know this speaking from my own experience. I used it as a form of self-punishment for many years because I didn't know how to have healthy relationships. So when I got into one and I was like, oh, this person loves me, I better go look at something really damaging over here to make myself remember that I'm not worth loving and that it's not okay for me to have enjoyment and pleasure because even though he thinks that's what I deserve, I know better. Right. I'm, I'm garbage, so I'm going to go make sure I know that I'm garbage over here. And it's unfortunate that that's available for people to be able to use that way. And it's unfortunate that we don't talk about it to help people understand that, hey, it's okay if that's what you're doing. Let me give you a better venue. Let me give you a better way. Let's get you some therapy and coaching to be able to feel better about who you are and not have to keep perpetuating that pain. But as long as pornography is secret, like you said, and untalked about and taboo and something that we hide in the, in the corners of our life, then it, we're never going to be able to address that. Well, that's like when you were a kid and they were, you were like, there's a monster under my bed. What was the first thing you, you did? You turned on a light and you looked at it. Mm -hmm. So that's really essentially you're turning on the light and looking at it. Let's address that. No. Okay. It's not a monster if we look at it. Mm-hmm. But if we keep it hidden under here, it just might be. We don't know. So what are some ways that you guys think that could help improve uh, ethical porn? <sighs> I have some suggestions. Mm -hmm. Let's hear so your many, like, yeah. That's such a weighted yeah. question. And I think I about it so all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I think paying for porn is huge. I'm a little bit of a hypocrite with that because I support paying for porn, but then I don't. And I tell myself it's because I don't look at porn all that much, but it's like when I do, why not pay for it? Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's something that we kind of covered in our last episode when we were talking about sexual empowerment. If you haven't listened to that one, you don't need to listen to it first, but go and listen to it. Um, is that normalizing sexual empowerment by naming our body parts with children at a young age. Do not um, call it a private... Well, private area is fine. It is private. It is yours. You know, that's fine. But, like, calling it a no-no area or the, like, bad touch or anything that is negative with that, I think we should definitely go away from that. That... The number one way of, I think, protecting children from bad porn, negative porn, is to let them know what is good first. So that's one step for me. Two is uh, actually having scientific-based sex education in school. That would just, be amazing, yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> it, it? It's one of those things that you feel like they're completely unconnected, but when kids are finding out about sex through porn and possibly negative porn, that is a bad sexual education. If you have a good sexual education, you might be able to look at this porn and be like, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't think this is good. You and Instead of, oh this is what's out there, I guess this is what sex is. Right. You know? And in that sense, like, the organization that I referenced earlier and the article that they had, I felt like I am going to mention that. So the, the one that she's talking about, Brooke's talking about here, is called Fight the New Drug. It is an anti-porn, uh, non... What is it? What, non... Nonprofit. Nonprofit organization that they say they are not politically or religiously affiliated, but the uh, founders are Mormon and the Mormon church has uh, promoted or endorsed this. Uh, right. Them. And the that's person, actually how I first heard about so it. Like so like the person that I know that's involved with the organization is not Mormon at all. Right. Um, no, I, then not and, everybody. Right. Yes. And so like, as far as the... I should do more diligence in researching them more. But the article that they that I linked about having conversations about pornography, um, I thought was very interesting in that where do we start the conversations? Like in in all things, you can take it and decipher it and say, does this apply to me or does this not apply to me? Mm -hmm. At what level 
Is this helping me or not helping me? And are we getting the conversation started? And I think there's a lot of good information as adults to read and say, okay, now which parts of this apply to my family and to my conversations that I want to have going forward? And I really like that the information is being put out there. I think that um, while it won't work for everyone, having a no porn policy in your home does work for different people. Um, I know someone whose uh, internet password at their house is Jesus is watching you. (laughs) (laughs) Because it just like set for their kids this mindset of, is this something that is positive? Mm -hmm. And I think that, sure, I don't want Jesus watching me watch porn, but like... (laughs) I don't what, want them watching is, me having it sex either. It depends like, on marital how, sex. Like, yeah, you're like, but like, if, you I, if I'm it. going into it with like a positive mindset, mm-hmm. like, is this something positive for me? Is this something that is benefiting me on a whole? Mm-hmm. And how am I going to talk to my kids about it? Like, when my daughter gets to an age to where that might be something that she's exploring, do I want to be like, no don't look at any porn or do I want to say here are some examples of art and people being passionately like I have um, a book about sex that has a lot of pictures in it of people being passionate with each other and loving each other and like that is something that I would absolutely give to her to explore because the human body is beautiful and the interactions between bodies is beautiful and something that I feel like I want her to have a positive reference on that she can go back to and be like oh that's really cool or that's exciting to me to look at without it having to be someone being tied up and punished or being fucked by their stepbrother or that like you know what I mean like those are the things that I don't want to be an option there but is she going to explore those things sure Do I want to have that be an open conversation that she feels like she can come to me and say, hey, where do I find the good stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, So another thing, like I, of course, for me, my brain always goes to like from the very beginning. That's why I, if you haven't noticed, constantly come back to educating children about these things. Um, The other thing is, while it's not the funnest way to go about porn, being aware of what type of porn you are looking at. I like Pornhub, but is always a sentence is how it goes. I feel like they are very sexual empowering as they like invited um, these like sex ed type videos that were no longer being allowed on YouTube um, to come over to there. So they're like, you can make an account on our website. You do not have to make it sexual. You do not have to be naked. Like, there are a lot of non-porn videos on Pornhub. I didn't know that. I like that about Pornhub. I do, too. I don't like that the main page of their video is mostly violence, mostly incest type videos. So there's positive and negative. So, And I think that comes back to the porn is not the problem. Mm-hmm. It's right. our, the problem with society. Because it wouldn't be on their page if that wasn't what everybody exactly. was looking at mm-hmm. right so how do we address they're just putting up the top search yeah that's not them putting it up it's yeah just an it's algorithm just what, that's, yeah mm-hmm. so that again, could be it, biased too algorithms yeah. can be very biased really yeah can. and it is it comes back to the education the conversation and just again like make normalize it sex is normal let's stop being shamed about it and let's have the conversation yeah. and mm-hmm. one of the things that i've spoken with um friends and and partners with and stuff about is how do I create educational pornographic videos for people to teach them how to have sex, right? I have a lot of sex. I have a lot of good sex. I have sex with partners where they um, have multiple orgasms before ejaculation, like techniques, positions, things that help women to experience their minds and abilities with their bodies and the same with men and so how do I make this available to people without it being pornographic mm-hmm. right and without it being negative and I've explored several different things in my mind none of which are happening but like just like brainstorming and talking about do I have a paid channel that's just like 
a constant video into my bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever we go live, you'll get a notification and you can decide if you want to watch it or not and say, oh, that was interesting. Every time it's going to be different. I have no idea. It's not like I'm going into it with an agenda, but like maybe that's something that I do. Or do we record sessions and make it available to people? Another thing that we thought about doing was recording sessions, taking the audit audio out and reenacting it with puppets <laughs> like, like we thought about doing it with like a frog and a duck and like reenacting it as like a little parody for lack of a better term but like showing something that is non-pornographic with actual audio so you get the emotion and the feeling behind it while having it be more like instructional or educational and and that's something that we've really thought about as well like taking snippets of each session and like reenacting it to show what can happen like I don't know but I do feel that there should be a better option out there so that women who are in their 40s who have never orgasmed and not had that experience and are desperately searching to expand their experiences can see something that isn't porn, that isn't damaging, that isn't questionably harming another human being or ethically like sponsoring an industry that is not on the up and up on most things. So where do we, I don't know, I don't know where we're going to land in there. I know that I want to make that a part of what I'm doing in some way or another. And I, I feel really passionate that that needs to happen and have educational sexual content available for people that's also passionate and showing real orgasms and real experiences and real connections. So it's not like, all right, I know those two aren't actually into it and this is really dumb and I don't need a stupid plot to try to get myself. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <gasps> Oh, I just had an idea. <laughs> so two things. Um, one, what if... They have no. I'll actually ask the second question first. One, we're coming up on time, so do we feel that this is maybe we want to continue it? Uh, second part. What if like on this like imaginary uh, porn website that we're creating, <laughs> um, they had like a section of this is real porn. This is real sex. Like these people are having sex. This is real orgasms. This is a real experiencing experience. Nothing is. Uh, well, other than like deciding on like what safe words are, like where we're what we're planning on doing, those things are decided before, but it's not scripted or staged or, or yeah. staged. But then they did have fantasy porn. Like this is scripted. This I love that. Like they they are kind of faking like it to this, a point. I like this but, whole porn page that we could create because then you could also do audible. Put your yeah. romance novels on there porn yeah. doesn't look just like videos porn right. is what gets you going if that's your gifts if that's your audible if that's education i mean there's sometimes just voices all i have to do is listen to an accent and i'll be like i could go what's the the um i always forget the name of it the Videos that just have the like really just the sounds. The, it's the, um, the whispering. Oh, um, or the clicking of the yeah, yeah. The like all of, of those things like can be sexual too. Yeah. Very sexual. It's arousing. It's yeah. not. Yeah, it's, and it um, doesn't have to be gratuitous or violent. SMR. SMR. I, I think, think that is, is what it is. Something like that. Yeah. Those are this American yeah. Life podcast about yeah. SMR from like yeah. ten years ago. It's amazing. All right. But yeah, so I think uh, while we're not currently going to record alone, so your next episode will probably not be porn part two. We are going to come back to this like topic because this is such a broad topic. Today we kind of focused on ethics and like more of the things that we have wrong with it. But I think we I mean, it was still a very positive conversation. And that's what we want is our conversations to continue to be positive about this. And for people to take the conversation and continue it themselves. You may disagree with everything that I had to say. Um, You may really endorse um, what's it called? The Oh, fight Fight the the new new drug. drug. I always want to say fix. I know that's wrong. (laughs) But you might really endorse fight the new drug. You might associate with it. You might hate it. You might like there's so many different options and venues out there. I think the important thing, like you said earlier, shine the light on it, continue the conversation and just like not make it taboo to talk about in any setting and start really bringing light 
and love to it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why we, that was our initial reason why we wanted to start the podcast and focus on vaginas. Cause why don't we talk about vaginas? Why do women, we spend almost sometimes our entire life not ever acknowledging that we have one mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah. unless we're forced to. Yes, yeah, so yes. many women are like, I don't know what my clit is. Are yeah. you kidding? Right? Can I mean, help we, you please? Yeah, they're like, <laughs> wait a minute, I have two holes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's And when I tell people yeah. what I do, it's amazing. However religious or non-religious they are, whatever gender association they have, it doesn't matter. If I say, yeah, I'm a sexual empowerment coach, I can get stuck in a hour-long conversation, not stuck, but be a part of an hour-long conversation with anyone in any setting because there's just no one who will talk about it. Yes. And they're like, oh my gosh, you do? That's fascinating. What do you do? And do you teach orgasms? Do you have sex with people? Like, what is it that you're doing? My dad asked my sister if I was a sex worker. And I was like, no, I'm not a <laughs> sex worker. But like, there's just... But you're in the sex like, industry, yeah. And so opening up the conversation and just making it not taboo takes the power away from rape culture and violence in and of itself. Love it. It's a very loaded topic. It no is, pun guys. intended. This is not going to be the first episode we no, have about no. porn. It's such a broad topic. All right. Well, so again, would you like to plug anything about you? Sure. Out there? Yeah. My name is Brooke Heim. You can find me at brookeheim.com, B R O O K E H E Y M, and on Instagram and Facebook under the same. Um, if you follow my Facebook business page, it's not as active, but my personal one is. So send me a request and. I'll see you there. How about you, Crystal? You can find me on Twitter at hello crystal. It's at hello underscore crystal, whatever. I mean, I'm not encouraging you. There's not a lot going on there. <laughs> then, yeah, come out and see us. You can find me on the Hello Sweetie podcast. Awesome. That's it. Um, I am Miss Josie D pretty much everywhere on the internet now. I'm trying to be, I used to have like lots of different usernames and I'm trying to change them all to the same one. <laughs> I'm not super active on anything, but you guys can find me. I, um, we are a proud member of the Hello Sweetie Podcast Network. Please check out the other podcasts in our network at hellosweetiepodcastnetwork.com. It is a mouthful, but it's fun. Good Brooke. mouthful usually is. <laughs> Brooke, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We'd love to have you back in the future. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you yes, so much. Thank you. I'll see you guys next time. Last night, I journeyed through cyberspace to the conceptual Nighthawks Diver. In this amazing podcast, the hosts discuss movies, classic movies, new movies, good movies, bad movies, movies that haven't been made yet, movies from Norway. Each movie a journey, each episode giving valuable context. The films were made accessible, and I was victorious. Nighthawks Podcast. All episodes downloadable separately. Available through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever fine podcasts are found. A member of the Hello Sweet Podcast Network.